0: Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Uh, welcome to the Metron Live podcast. Coming to you from Metron. Metron people, give the podcast people a big welcome. Now you can applaud. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And um, as always, thank you. Charles McFall, Rock God of Podcasting. We appreciate uh your faithfulness. Low these many years, putting uh out on our podcast. Yes, amen. I had the most wonderful uh self-starting, low maintenance, highly motivated tech team uh ever. Uh they just do their they're like clockwork. They I never uh were. I remember my dad pastoring churches and and like people would be. People had opinions about choirs and stuff, and somebody wouldn't show up, and somebody was—you never knew if somebody was going to. Uh, if so and so was sister, so and so was mad because we didn't do the song she wanted last week. I, I just remember there was always something going on, like you know, hoping the choir director shows. And I don't—I—I I live in a completely different world now, you know, like these uh, beautiful people are um, so dependable, and even Michelle, I never take it for granted. I sent uh, I'm not doing a series this month, but I sent the outline yesterday and Michelle said, I got it for the screen. This is a good word. I can't wait for it. And that, that's, I mean, she's good Lord. How many of my outlines have you seen all these many years and you still think they're good. That's like, wow. And, uh, so I, I appreciate it. Um, so I, I do, I'm, I'm just titling this today, uh, a word for you. And, um, uh, i'm gonna, i'm going to kind of speak to myself today, and I know we're all connected enough that what I need to hear is ultimately what you're going to need to hear it's always funny when Eddie, uh, i'm sure you used to have this somebody say that word today was just for me, and you're like, well no, actually, I was talking to myself, but if you if you enjoyed it, if you got something out of it good and i i can't tell you how many young ministers i've said this to over the years. Uh, especially pastors, because pastors have to keep coming up with material on a, on the regular. Like evangelists can kind of get their best. They say Billy Graham only had 12 sermons, and he recycled those all. You know, and built and built a, an empire on. it. When you're pastoring, you know, you've got to come up with material uh, just constantly. And uh, so I used to. Well, so many young ministers would say to me, "What do I do if I just don't have any?" any inspiration at all I always would say to them well think about what what would you need to hear if you were going to go to service today and that will be the right word and I can't tell you many people over the years have said that that's been a lifesaver for me because you know that's that's how I found the inspiration like what what would I need to hear today so uh we speak in the atmosphere and we say uh let there be light um before before I show you this first scripture um, you know, last month when I was talking about, uh, I, I took a break from the series that we were doing and I talked about the concept of a higher power. And uh, I think it was a rhema word and we got a, lot of, got a lot of good feedback on it. One thing I forgot to mention, I, I meant to include in that teaching, was out of Psalm 61 when David said, when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. And of course, you know, in that context, yes, yes, he's talking about God. But what he's really saying is, is um, when I feel overwhelmed, help me get a paradigm shift and find something that is higher than the height of this thing that is looming up before me. Uh, Eddie, you wrote something this week that I... I, I understood what you meant. You said I love the Lord, and you said when I say the Lord, I'm really talking about the mystery. You know, of, of course we know Jesus. That's our. That's what we. Right. We're, you're just saying the Lord is. I mean, and we do that too. Like we, you know, when we get a good parking place. We're like, won't He do it? You know, <laughs> he's he's an on-time God. Just because that's that's vernacular that our spirits understand. Uh. Like, do I think, you know, Jesus in heaven gave me a parking space? No. What I believe is, it's it 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 becomes the the thing that um, is an umbrella for everything that's higher than I am. the 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 mystery that I don't understand. That, of course, we call that God. Um. And so, what what I want to talk about today is kind of um, an after-dinner drink for the series I did last month about creating the future. Because in that series, we talked about finding the balance of putting intentions out there and having a plan and speaking things into existence, but also keeping some flexibility. As I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, I was walking out of my house, and I looked. At, I was scrolling through my feed while I was in the elevator going down to the parking deck, and somebody had posted a meme that said, um, always expect the best-case scenario, and your mind will attract solutions. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. That, that resonates with me. I, can, I, I think that is true. Uh, what I want to talk about today is what do you do when you can't think what the best-case scenario would be? Um, you know there's some problems we have that we know what we we know what we gotta do, like um uh we were talking about uh this morning he, Jeff was asking me about my physical therapist I'm sort of like right in the middle of physical therapy and it's 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 going well i mean it's challenging but it's good um and uh just talking about what I've learned through it and um, I completely lost my train of thought. (laughs) What was it that you, it was something you asked me about it that we were, what did I just say before that last thing? I was talking about, uh, if you're overwhelmed, okay, yes, that's what it was. I I remember distinctly the moment where I decided to have my uh, shoulder surgery because I was having a stress test and I was having to hold my arm still for 15 minute periods in an MRI and she said sir you're going to have to be still and I said ma'am if you knew the pain that I'm in holding my arm like that I said the only the only way I could be any more still is you would have to kill me and that would sort of defeat the purpose of the stress test so um while I'm you know I'm sitting there trying not to pass out from how bad that hurt to do that I thought go get this thing fixed. I mean, I, I left there and went to the other doctor and said, all right, let's, let's do the surgery because this is ridiculous. And um, so there's some problems that you have that you know, well, this is what I need to do. Uh, you owe the IRS X amount of money. All right, don't be overwhelmed by it. Find a payment plan. And, you know, the, uh, like there's a lot of things that, duh, there's, there's your solution. If you don't like something, fix it. We need a new, need, need a new car. Well, then get a new car. Those are those are situations that are sort of cut and dry. Like w- whether you're a procrastinator or not, you're like, "This is what I should do," and I'm kind of putting it off. But I know what I really need to do. And anybody got a thing like that that you're like, "I know I got some situations, but I I know how to fix them. I just haven't gotten to it yet." And uh, uh, <laughs> like that, I have this bookshelf in my place that was just some cheap bookshelf we got at target years ago and for the last month every time I walk in and look at it, I just hate this bookshelf I just hate the way it looks and it it, I never hated it before now every time I look at it I'm like I hate this thing I gotta get I've got to get this out of here so I went to another store and bought something that's more high end that looks better uh, but then I'm thinking how do I get this thing out of here you know because trying to find a way to you know move it and it's a whole deal. When you live in I don't live in a high-rise high-rise I live in a mid-rise but anything that you have to get rid of it's a whole thing. You know like do do I call Goodwill what and I thought I got I got to take this thing apart. So I just I I was just sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden I thought I'm doing it right now and I started taking it apart. So it had all these pieces and my arm was hurting, so I had to keep, Ken wasn't there, I had to keep making trips down to the dumpster. So, you know, every, it was like one of those, um, you know, they used to have those uh, prison escape movies where the guys would have pocketfuls of, of uh, dirt and they'd walk out on the thing and, and just gradually do it. Well, that's kind of what I did. I was like, I was like, take down two shelves. To, I, I don't know how many trips I made. You know, the concierge was like, what are you throwing away? And I said, mind your business. And um, it was just easier. So <laughs> when I called Ken that night, I said, well, I got rid of the bookshelf. He said, who got it? I said, it's in the dumpster. He said, how? I got a screwdriver and took that thing apart. But that's what, like, you know how when you, you've you looked at something and you've hated it enough, you're like, that's it. You're out of my house. I cannot look at you one more time. I don't like the way that looks. And so they're, Sometime between 7 and 11 in the morning, they're bringing my new, better, it's kind of like a wall, I don't know what, I think they called it an adagere, I don't know, that the guy at the furniture store was using words I didn't really know, but thank, he said, are you looking for more for an adagere? I said, hang on a second, so I'm Googling, adagere, yes, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> what, what did we do without Wikipedia on your phone? Anyway, I mean, even we went to a, an Italian restaurant Friday night. That wasn't—we're thinking it's going to be like spaghetti and meatballs. It wasn't that kind. It was like it had a lot of stuff. That when I'm looking at the menu, I'm like, "Ken, there's nothing on here you're going to like." And, and um, fortunately, the server kind of walked us through it. And we found, and he actually loved it, and we, it was great. But um, he was asking me, "So, what does this mean?" And I'm like, "Hang on." So I'm googling. It's a kind of pasta that, because they, they don't have spaghetti and meatballs here. These are all crazy sounding Italian names. I have no idea what this means. Like, if, if, if I hadn't had Wikipedia, it would have been a very bad situation. But our server actually wrote on the check, this has been my favorite table uh, of the evening. I said, well, thank you. Her name was Hannah. I said, thank you, Hannah, for walking us through our ignorance, because... Uh, I mean, I've been to some restaurants, but I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of these terms. Uh, I'm just thinking, where, do y'all have noodles? <laughs> and uh, actually, it was a little more um, uh, complicated than that. Anyway, um, so there's some things that you you know, this is what I need to do, whether I want to do it or not. This will fix this problem. There are other things that you think. I don't know. Let me let me tell you about problems that overwhelm you. And uh, I'm just going to be very real with you. I have one in my life right now that I don't I don't have a an easy answer for. And I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I've talked to you all about it, and uh, it, it is what it is. And sometimes, if you talk about it, a situation in your life to somebody, they they have a solution for it. That is completely irrelevant to what you're talking about, because if it's a situation in your life that involves people, family members, there's a lot. There's a lot to a situation that can't just be dismissed with "well, just do that." Well, that's easy for you to say. There's a lot of nuanced things. It's just, it's just not that easy to do that that way. So that's why sometimes I'll just say, "I'm." I mean, I'm fine, but I gotta I, I don't know how to figure this one out. Um I I love solutions. I love when I you know when I know that bookshelf's getting out of here right now. I'm getting a screwdriver. There's some things aren't they're just not that easily solved. Um and I'm not talking about worrying about it. I'm just saying there's a situation that you think I've got to, I've got to rise the occasion on this, and I just Honestly, don't know. Somebody says, "Well, have you prayed about it?" Like, yeah. Shut up. You're like, you're like, I hate when people are that dismissive and you say, "Well, just ask the Lord." Like, yeah, I've left him several messages about this, and he is he has not returned the calls. And there's just some things that you know that you you don't know how to resolve it, and you don't want to do the wrong thing and make a situation even more complicated. This is why you really can't judge what other people are going through because you're you're only seeing like a little sliver of their reality. And it's so easy to say, well, if, if it was me, I would do this. Well, it's not you. And that may have worked in your situation. Your situation, my, my situation is very different. Like I remember um, somebody this week, and it actually turned out to be a blessing. But you all remember, it's been over a year ago that I, when I say somebody scammed me for $2,000, I mean, I, I, I knew who the person was. And I fell into the, anyway. But when I posed something about it, I have a family member who works for a bank who was calling me with all these, this is what you need to do, call your bank. And that was, irre- like, that. no, I wasn't hacked into. But she kind of got offended with me. She said, well, I can tell you don't really want my help. I said, well, no, it's not that. It's just that that's not what this is about. I know who this person was. Uh, And so because that I've had to have these two PayPal accounts and somebody gave me something today on the old one and it's like you cannot believe the rigmarole I had to go through to get into that old one. But it turned out actually to be a blessing because I got the thing resolved where now, like this morning somebody sent me something on, on that old PayPal and I thought, oh, here we go again. But somehow through all of the, and I'm not going to say I didn't use a few cuss words while I was trying to get, you know when you're trying to get something fixed on your phone and you're like, it keeps going back to that same page. And I finally had to call PayPal and and they had to walk me through it. She she's all right, now it should be ready. I said, nope, it's back to that same page that says we need an authentic, authentic, authentic something authenticator app um code, it's not sending me a code. She says, well it should send you a code. I said, ma'am, I know. That's why I've been on the phone with you for half an hour. Anyway, this morning when I got this gift on the old PayPal, I thought, oh, here we go. I'll just deal with this later. I thought, well maybe even... and it's somehow it's been fixed now. It's like it said, there are two accounts on this and, and would would you like to use your facial recognition? I was like, <laughs> yes, ah, like that was so much easier. So it turned out to be a blessing. After the, I repented for a good bit of the cussing that I did. Then it turned out well. This actually worked out. Okay, good. I've, I'm. I think I'm okay now. You can give to me on both of them. So try that today. Give it. <laughs> send me something on both of them. And I, let's let's see how it works. Not that I want money. It's just that if that. It helps me figure it out. Anyway, um, so I'm saying all that to bring us to this verse of Scripture that you're very familiar with. Uh, I don't think I've ever used the... um, Is is this... in? Yeah, no, this is the voice. This is Ephesians 3.20 and a part of 21. It's where in the King James it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, verse 21 says, unto Him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end. Um, In the Amplified Bible it says, above anything we dare ask or think. But I I like the way it says here in the voice. He says, now to the God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we ever could ask or imagine, through the power at work in us, to Him be all glory. Now, the reason I want to talk about this when it comes to situations that you just you don't know how to fix it. And it's the not knowing that can really overwhelm you. And um, there's some things that can't be counseled about. They're just a reality in your life, something that you've got to deal with that uh, frankly is stressing you out. And as much as... Um, you know the right thing to do i I like to solve problems. you know what I mean it's like well let's let's get this solved, and then we can move on. There's some things you're like i don't know I don't know how to do this. I mean, I've looked at this from all angles, and this looks really daunting, no matter how I look at it, and there doesn't seem to be any real upside. Does anybody have, can you relate to what I'm talking about right now? Anybody got anything of like that? Is your life just like, I don't know what you're talking about. We fix all our problems. No, I mean, I don't know. Is, is this? Is this? I'm not wasting y'all's time today. Am I? Okay. Anybody got one of these right now that you're like, I don't know. I, I need to deal with a situation and I don't know what to do. And so Bishop, you just led us in a meditation. Yeah, I know. But there's some things that this isn't a thing you can just get a quick just do this, make this phone call, and boom. It's, it's like there's, like some situations in your life have a lot of movable parts to them. And so you think, well, if I did that, then that's going to complicate that. And like there's, there's a lot to be considered. That's why sometimes the best thing you can do is like sit outside the gate when somebody's in Gethsemane and just be there for moral support and say, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know that I have advice for you. Um, sometimes people will come to me and they'll ask, what would you do with the situation? And I'll say, all right, I'll tell you how I would handle it. I'm not saying that's the word of the Lord for you because your situation is very different. And just because, I mean, the way iron sharpens iron is somebody else inspires you to take care of your business you can't emulate them to do it the way they did it. Because everybody's situation is different. One of my biggest issues with organized religion is how how it tends to um, put everybody in the same box. This is what we do. Problems are fixed on an assembly line. And you know, you pray for it, and you're done, and you believe you receive when you pray, and that sounds great. But I, can I can I get really real with you? When sometimes people say, "There's an answer for every problem in that book." I don't. You must not have read the same collection of books that I've read, because there are some things that I'm telling you. I've read the Bible through several times. The Bible doesn't say anything about this. <laughs> like there, I mean, I could, I could kind of stretch a couple of things, and maybe that's applicable. But real no, there's like the Bible does not have an answer for everything. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why you need the wisdom of God. So I want to show you this uh, this quote. This is a Deepak Chopra quote. He talks a lot about uh, detachment. Like when you put an intention out there, then don't micromanage it. And I've taught on that. I agree with that concept. Um. I think sometimes when you overthink a thing or even overpray a thing, it nearly can be counterproductive. There's some things that you just have to say, I'm going to have to be quiet on this. You know, when when the archangel appeared to Mary and said, I know you're a virgin, but you're, you're going to get pregnant without biological reality. Um, and not only are you going to have this child and maintain your virginity, but this child's going to be the you know the savior of mankind, and it says, Mary pondered these things in her heart, yeah, I'm sure she did cause who do you who do you tell that to? What does Mary call her girlfriends and say, Hey, <laughs> you're not going to believe you know what does she say? Has an archangel ever appeared to you and say like no Mary, she can she call her mother and say?" Mama, I know you told me where babies come from, but have you ever considered this? Is it possible that an angel could appear to you in your house and tell you that the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you're going to have a virgin birth? Her mama's going to say, "Mary, come on now. Who have you who have you been with? You're you've been cheating on your fiancé Joseph and you're blaspheming." You're saying, "I don't know who the baby daddy is, but I think it's I think it's the Holy Ghost." Are you, I'll slap you if you say that. That You know, that sounds good to us, but if you've never heard that concept, that's that's kind of hard to sell. That's why I believe, you know, in, when she's in the third trimester of her pregnancy and Joseph says he's got to go to Bethlehem uh, to be taxed, you know, uh, she's like, I'm going with you. <laughs> he's like, well, you can't. You're about to give birth. I can't stay here, you know. I mean... The only reason Joseph even believed it is God gave him a dream and he said, I know you don't believe this, but it is true. But when it says she pondered it in her heart, yeah, I'm sure she did. There's some things you're just going to have to ponder in your heart. If somebody says, what's wrong with you? You can say, you know what? I could tell you, but it would take, it would be so, I don't even want to talk about it. But thanks for asking. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to figure it out. And frankly, I'm not I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not fearful. I'm overwhelmed. Do I believe God can do it? Yeah, of course. You start remembering other situations where you think, well, God did more than I could ask or think of that. I, this is a small thing, but when my dad passed it was in May of 20 and that was when COVID had just started so I talked to the pastor of the church where there's a prayer tower named after him and I said I said I'm thinking about waiting till my what would have been my dad's 87th birthday let's do a (laughs) it sounds so funny now but we actually said surely all this stuff will be gone by then like by August like and so I said why don't we wait till then then we can have a we can have a funeral you know, here we are years later and COVID's like, I, I not only haven't gone, I'm back. I'm back with variants. And, um, but, but so we decided we're going well, we're going to do it outside. We'll do it at the prayer tower. But that's in August in Columbus, Georgia. It's going to be hot as hell out there. I've got to find, I can't just have people standing around. I've got to, I've got to put together a, a place for them to sit. I made like three trips to Columbus. You can't believe how much I, Tried to find an awning company but well, I could not find anything. It doesn't sound like that big a deal now, but, you know, for whatever issues I ever had with my dad, I wanted to give him a, an honorable service, I, you know, and I thought this is going to be really bad if we're staying, you know, my mom can't stand up for the whole thing. We're out there in the sweltering heat. And, um, and, and quite frankly, I'm not sure that that, not the pastor, he's great but I'm not sure that Assembly of God Church would have been cool with me standing in their pulpit. I'm just telling you the truth. Like, that that might have been an issue. And, uh, but it was, now it doesn't seem to be that big a deal, but it was really, I mean, I can't tell you how many places I called and talked to and went online, and when I told people what they wanted, the best anybody could get is like a little funeral home tent. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. This is like, event space i'm going to have probably a couple hundred people there i've got to have and right at the i wouldn't have even thought to ask the pastor there to do that because he'd already been so gracious i don't want to just keep calling him going, can you do one more thing for me like this is my responsibility and uh we were talking about something and he said to me do you need uh, a tent i said Oh my God, yes. And he said, I have a guy. He said, Let me take care of it. Let me tell you something. Those words, let me take care of it, was like, I, it's like I could hear angels singing. Because I'd been, for two or three weeks, I'd been, you know, trying to do everything I could to, you know, fix this thing and it not just be a nightmare for everybody. And when I drove up, I'm going to get emotional thinking about it. When I drove up that day, this beautiful, I mean, it was, it was, Better than I even imagined. There's a stage set up and and a, a big enough awning with chairs that have already been set up for about a couple hundred people that were there. Maybe more, I don't know. And it was just like, oh my God, thank you. I can't tell you many times I've gone back in my mind and said, well, you've tried to figure that one out and then something came in that was more than you could ask or think because I would have never asked him for that favor. It wouldn't have even occurred to me that he would have had something like that. He had a sound system. He had everything that I needed. There was a keyboard set up because Judah was going to play. And it was just like, thank you. Thank you. thank." You. I can't tell how many times I've thanked him. He's retired now. His son's the pastor. But I'm like, I will never forget you. Because if, if it hadn't been for that tent, I know it doesn't sound like that big a deal. But in August, standing out there and nobody, if nobody had a place to sit, it would have been, it would have been horrible. And so now I think, well, you know, at least I gave him a proper acknowledging and send off and it was, we spread it. I wasn't even sure they would be cool with us spreading ashes because, you know, some old school churches, they don't, you know, they don't believe in cremation. And so I, I told him, I said, look, cause there's, they have a, a monument there to my dad. I said, I'd like to spread some of his ashes there, but if that's a problem, Please tell me and we won't do it because they've got gray plots in, in South Georgia. And he said, oh, no, no, that's fine. You can do that. And I said, thank you. Because that that could get him in trouble. Um, So that one wasn't as big a deal maybe as what I'm dealing with right now. And I don't want to sound so mysterious. i Y'all be like, what's he talking about? I mean, some of you that know me probably can put two and two together and kind of figure out what I'm talking about. But... Let me show you what Chopra says here. It says, Uncertainty is fearful to the ego. That's true. Especially when you're a problem solver. You take a lot of pride in solving problems. And then sometimes you don't know, Like I don't know how to solve this one. It says, Uncertainty is fearful to the ego, which always wants to cre- control reality. But from the Viewpoint of detachment, a constantly shifting and changing universe, must remain uncertain if things were certain, there could be no creativity that's more than we ask or think I read you I read ephesians three twenty two out of okay uh is there more to that therefore, spirit works through surprises. And unexpected outcomes. So let me say it to you this way. There's a way that deep in your heart of hearts, you can know that this, this thing's going to work out. But also on a higher level, it's keeping you awake at night and, and you're, you're consumed with it and you're thinking about it and you're talking to other people who may have a solution, even though you know that ultimately it's, there's going to be a surprise. But you also can't just say, la la la, it'll get fixed, it'll work out. That's not the way, that's not the way it works. I mean, you have to pay bills, you have to return calls. I went in a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why this, you know, I've met the deductible on my insurance a long time ago. And they keep coming up with surprises. Piedmont, they love me so much. They, they sent me one yesterday. I haven't even opened that one yet. I'm like, I know. I know y'all are there. I'll get you. I went in for uh, uh, therapy week before last. And she's, I already told you that She said, Mr. Swiley, you are, uh, owe $500 on this. I said, why? I've already, I thought this was paid for. I said, y'all are sending me, I said, I know y'all love me. Because y'all are sending me messages about every 10 minutes. Can I just give you a hundred on it right now? I felt like I felt like I was in the hood. Like I just got can I put a hundred on it? <laughs> and she agreed. She said, like, Yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't know if tomorrow morning she'd be like, where's that other 400? <laughs> so both my PayPal's work. Um I'm kidding. I have money. Um, but uh the, the uncertainty of something is I, I can't just call and in and set up a payment plan for something or call this person and it's fixed. Sometimes you have to wait for a thing to work out that is more than you can ask or think. And as in the case of uh, like with my dad's service, the thing that the pastor there had set up was was far greater than what I was looking for. I don't even know, I mean, we, I sent a tithe to their church that I hoped would cover whatever expense he, uh, but it, I'm sure if he didn't have a connection, somebody sp- would have spent some money on that kind of structure. Somebody had to come and set it up, and then people had to come tear it down. It's not like you can't just get a couple of guys together, and d- it's like, th- it has to be people that know how to set up this structure. Are you following me? And... Um, Every time I think about that, I think that that turned out. Whew, that turned out so much better than what I was even working on, and my standards are high. Have y'all had something that worked out? You think, my God, that worked out even better than even what I wanted. And so sometimes you have to keep those things in your mind to say, "Well, remember when that thing was more than you can ask or think, and that thing was more than you could ask or think." So sometimes the uncertainty is important. Because if you are too certain, you may undershoot it. That's why I believe everything is win-win. You either get what you want, and if, but if you don't get what you want, something better will come. You have to believe that. Like, Well, this, that didn't work out like I visualized, so I'm going to have to believe that that uncertainty is telling me something even better is coming. You all still with me? Let me show you this Wayne Dyer quote. He also used to talk a lot of these same things. He says, infinite patience produces immediate results. I love that. Uh, Kenneth Hagan used to say in camp meetings, he would say, if you, if you're willing to wait forever, it won't take very long. And I think there's a truth to that. When you're anxious about it, your own impatience actually deters the progress. That's, that's the, the genius of believing you receive when you pray. That's why Hebrews says it's through faith and patience we inherit the promise. Uh, You've you've got to have both. If you're too patient, you won't take any action. If you're too full of faith, you'll mess it up. So you, you have to, everything goes back to the balance. Everything goes back to the yin and yang. Everything goes back to harmony. So he says infinite patience produces immediate results. It sounds like a paradox, doesn't it infinite patience implies an absolute certainty that what you'd like to manifest will indeed show up in perfect order and exactly on time the immediate result you receive from this inner knowing is a sense of peace when you detach from the outcome you're at peace and you'll ultimately see the fruits of your convictions i know that this is true i know i can support this from the scriptures I know that that's the whole thing about, um, like I said, believing you receive when you pray or declaring the end from the beginning or calling those things which are not as though they are. Let me also tell you this. You can know all of those principles and still nearly lose your mind thinking about a situation. Do you know there's a, there's a difference between worrying and obsessing? Worrying is when you're in fear. Obsessing is when you're, you're not necessarily in fear. You just can't stop thinking about it. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? i got to do something about this. i got to fix this. i got to fix this situation. I was, this morning I got up. I was watching the news because, you know, there's war declared in uh, Israel. And they said something. You know, the, the last time I was in Israel, I met with Israeli and Palestinian leaders. And when I heard their issue with the other side, both of both sides had completely valid points. When I talked to the Israelis, I'm like, "Yeah, that makes total sense to me." When I was with the Palestinians, I think, "Man, I hate those Israelis." Your situation completely ma-. and I would think this is a this is a, an impossible situation. You know that we've had. I remember uh, President Obama talked about a two-state solution, which I agree with in theory, but I think, well, how how would you do that? Because each side has got their holy book that says, my holy book says you're the infidel. And they the other side says, no, my holy book says you're the infidel. All these generations later, the sons of Isaac and sons of Ishmael are still fighting it out. So it's an impossible situation. And then they were saying, America stands with Israel. President Biden's on their saying, I just want you to know we're completely with it. But you also know that We can't send any funding until Congress approves it. Well, Congress doesn't have a Speaker of the House. And the factions between the Republicans and the Democrats have got, there's such a divide that it's not, it used to be two different ideologies. Now it's two complete different realities. Two complete different realities. So they're saying we can't help Israel because we don't have a Speaker of the House and we don't even know when we're going to get one. So I'm looking at that, and I thought, that's interesting. That's an impossible situation trying to fix an impossible situation. Israel and Palestine, that can't ever work. Democrats and Republicans, that can't ever work. What are we going to do? I don't know. (laughs) Well, if I was president, I'd do this. No, you would Shut up. You don't know what you would do. I generally, when I see a politician, I think, you know what, that man or that woman is probably doing the best they can trying to answer their constituency with the information they have. And it's easy for me to Monday back, Monday morning quarterback and say, this is what they need to do. Well, you're not, you're not there. Um. Over the years, not, not with Metron, but well, some, in the early days of Metron, a little bit, uh, I can't tell you the unsolicited advice I would get from people. Like, this is what you need to do about so and so. And I think you don't even know, you don't even know what you're talking about. I had a, years ago, I had a family member, don't try to figure out who I'm talking about, who wanted me to hire them as a church growth consultant. I wasn't looking for a church growth consultant. This is somebody that's never taught a Sunday school class, much less at a church. But they wanted to advise me, and then they told me what they were going to need to make, which was nearly twice what I was paid. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to I'm going to wait a little bit (laughs) on that. Yeah, well, I can just tell you, you could hire me as an advisor, and I could I could make that church grow. And I'm like. Okay, let me let me get back to you. That was 22 years ago, and I have not, I am yet to get back to them. I just, we just, now the few times I ever see this person, I hope they just forgot. They've never followed up on that. But at the time, they were very serious. Um, I have, over the years, encountered so many people that never pastored a church who wanted to tell me what I should do and what I should change and how I should operate. I noticed the people who were really successful never offered me advice. Because when I would talk to the people that I considered very successful, they'd be like, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how. I, don't know how it, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I remember years ago, I was, uh, I was teaching up at New Life Bible College in Cleveland, and this young guy, Bible school student, came to me and he said, did you start your church? And I said, yes. And he said, can I get with you, and um, I hate when people say this, but he said, can I pick your brain? I I just hate the imagery of that. But uh, can I pick your brain? Because I want to start a church. I'd like to know how you did it. So I'm like, uh, uh, okay. Can we have lunch tomorrow? I'm like, uh, Okay. I mean, when I would go up there, I would really try to help these Bible school students. Well, he shows up with a legal pad and pulls his chair, you know, his knees to me, and he goes, all right. How'd you do it? And it was like, what am I supposed to dictate? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm making up stuff. I'm like, um, well, first get called to pastor. Okay, called to pastor. What's next? Get a building. Get building. Okay, what? I'm. Like, this is absurd. Get some chairs. Chairs, okay. Advertise. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Aid like that. I said, you know what? I don't think I can just dictate to you how to start a church. It's like this, it's not the I said, I I was thinking we were just going to talk about stuff. I can't really just it kind of doesn't work that way. You know what? Nothing really works that way. I mean, you know, if your marriage is in trouble and you want to go to a, a marriage retreat and get you know go for it but what's normal for somebody else's marriage may not be applicable to yours at all so they're going to give you some advice maybe somebody could help you with communication or something like that but but i I don't know i had a (laughs) i had a couple years ago young couple come to me and they were about to get a divorce and i said what's the What's the problem? And he says, well, she has allergies. She blows her nose all the time. And there's used Kleenexes all over the bedroom. And it grosses me out. And I can't take anymore. I'm divorcing her. And so I'm, I said, that's it. There's nothing else. There's Nobody's cheated on anybody. Like, no. He said, I cannot look at the Kleenexes anymore. And I'm literally saying, have you considered like a garbage can by the bed? Like maybe, you know. I think this is unless you're just not telling me the whole deal, this seems like this is kind of fixable. It wasn't it wasn't fixable as far as they were concerned. I don't think they made it. <laughs> I could tell I can things I cannot say in public, but I used to have a um form that people filled out before they did premarital counseling. It kind of gave me some talking points to start with. Me. And I, you know, for better or for worse, I didn't read them till the actual day of. So, while the couple's in my office, I'm looking through, and, you know, and there's a couple of people that, you know, they'd say, What are your pet peeves about the other person? Some of the stuff they would, like, Oh, sweet Jesus. I thought I heard everything. Like, I don't know if you all ought to get together. <laughs> like, this is. <laughs> there's, I can't even tell you, but there's this one couple that said, Am I being punked? Is this a joke? Are you serious? And they were dead serious about a problem that most of y'all would laugh at and say, that can't possibly be the truth. It was. I don't think they made it. Um, well, what's what's my point? Well, you know what? Here's something. You know why people stay married for a long time? Because they want to be married to the other person. I mean, I wish I could tell you it's more than that. Like, no, I can't, I fell so deeply in love with him. I can't live without him. You could be so in love with somebody you you feel like you're gonna die and you can't trust them when they're out of your sight. You can't live with them. The reason people have long, successful marriages is they both decide, you know what, you know all my stuff, I know all your stuff, I'm good with it. (laughs) (laughs) I could I could stand yours if you can stand mine. All right, good. Every year when we when Ken and I have an anniversary, I was like, "Do you want to renew the contract? Are we going for another year?" He says, yeah, I'm in. Okay. It's like by now you pretty much know it all. I think I know all yours. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are like me, but at a certain age, I think you know. God forbid something happened to him. I think I don't know that I would try it again. I, I like I, I scored really good that one time, <laughs> and to try to reap, I don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't, you know, have some friends. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's. Thanks for coming. That's the. That's the way you resolve your problems. You claim victory in Jesus. Thanks. Drive safely. All right. Uh, This is an interesting scripture. This is John chapter three verse eight in the NIV, and it's when it's when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and he wants to talk about. He said, "We know that you're from God because nobody could do these things if they weren't from God." Jesus says this really poetic thing to him in verse eight. He says, "The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit." Do you know why I don't lead people in sinners' prayers anymore? I mean, if I'm at somebody's deathbed and they ask me to do it, I will. But I don't do I don't end with altar calls anymore because Jesus said the wind blows where it wills. You can't you can't harness spiritual things. You can't make them into a, a rite of passage. You can't say, this is the way you are born again. Because it's it's different for every person. I don't even think it's a one time event. I think this there's works of the Spirit where you're born again, again, and again. It's, it's like going from glory to glory. And when he says the, the wind blows where it wills, what he's saying is, is things of the Spirit can't be controlled or micromanaged or manipulated. You kind of have to, you've got to have a plan, you've got to speak things into existence, but you also got to let the wind blow. And sometimes, if I can really extend this metaphor, sometimes the wind blows the house down. You know, we think of the wind blows where it wills. Oh, a nice, refreshing breeze. Hey, you know, a hurricane is wind. Sometimes the work of the Spirit tears everything up. Sometimes things have to get torn up before they get fixed. Sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. Uh, Just because it looks like chaos right now doesn't mean it's not a work of the Spirit. There are some structures that need, they need to be blown apart. And if you're too safe, if you're too marginalized, you can't welcome the wind. Because sometimes the wind does some damage. You you can't manage it. You, you just can't. Uh, I've learned that with the 19 meditation weekends that we've done. Because we've had some we've had some amazing weather miracles. We've also had some times where we're just like, well, this is the way it's going to be, and we're going to have to. And it worked out. Like, like remember when y'all came to St. Simons? We we didn't go out on the beach, but we go to that place. It was kind of like a y'all were there, kind of like a upper room, and that turned out actually better than what I would have visualized. But it also couldn't be managed. You know, I took some pride in saying I got it. I can. Tr- I can speak to this, and that's worked about 99% of the time. But there's another percentage where the wind's like, shut up. <laughs> you don't, you don't tell me what to do. That's why now if I speak to the weather, I say, weather, mother nature, I honor you in all of your amazing power. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you, could you please hold off? Um, Another time we were in St. Simons, you, you you all have been there and you messaged me. You said it didn't rain the whole time. Now you're gone, it started raining, rain. I said, Ain't no sunshine when I'm gone. <laughs> and we've had some, I'm, I'm very proud of those. But there's also been some humbling times where nature said, You're not, you're not the boss of me. And you know what? Sometimes you need those little reality checks. <laughs> There's some days we need to say, I embrace all of my divinity, and other days when you say, I don't know, I'm not God. (laughs) It is humility, and you need it. I I like to be reminded sometimes that the wind blows where it wills. That you say, I don't know how this situation is going to get fixed, but. I don't manage the wind, and I'm just going to believe that the wind is working in my favor. Um, This simple quote by Mandy Hale says, uh, what we are waiting for is not as important as what happens to us while we are waiting. Trust the process. I say this a lot, but I do believe that's true. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to say God's teaching you a lesson. I, I, that's not really the way my theology works, but I do believe there are some things that are just going to take time and it's working out something better in you. It's kind of like um, if you ever saw the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he was uh, uh, Sean um, Connery plays his father and they go looking for the Holy Grail. And they can't find it. And they, right, they finally get it at the end. And, and he says, uh, Indy, let it go. And he, he releases it and it falls into the abyss. And he said, what do we do all this for? And he said, what we learned on the journey. It was what, this wasn't about the Holy Grail. It was about what happened in our relationship during the journey. There's such a truth to that. But when you're in the middle of not knowing what's going on, it's not always easy to remember that. And that reminds me of Romans 8:22 through 25 in the Message Bible. This is what it says: All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us; it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also we're also feeling the birth pain. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. That's why, you know... If you wanted to get pregnant and you get pregnant, yes, you want that baby, but you don't want that baby at six weeks. You don't want that baby at four months. You want, I mean, if if the baby's premature, you'll figure it out. The best case is I want to go full term. But then also comes a time where you've passed your due date. That ever happened to any of you ladies in here? Where you think, don't ask, have you not had that baby yet? A pregnant woman who's passed her due date will kill you and probably... Uh, will get off uh, it it will probably uphold in court your honor i'm sorry but i couldn't hear one more person ask me have you not had that baby yet and i snapped and i killed him all right you're free to go (laughs) that makes sense and for some of us we've been trying to figure out what's going on getting bigger every day you can't ignore it uh you I know, uh, watched some of these sitcoms where I remember it happened with uh, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus when she was on Seinfeld and also with um, Deborah Messing on Will and Grace. Both of them were pregnant during the series and they, they had to hide their pregnancy. And it's, fu- it's funny to see some of the things. Deborah Messing went through weeks of something where she'd be behind potted plants or holding a, a pillow because they, they couldn't stop production. That's why you know when when producers hire a a, a young woman, they like they'll always ask, is there any possibility you might get pregnant? Because it will, it will affect this character, it will affect uh, affect how we write them. Um, there was some show that I used to watch that the character, the woman who played this one, was clearly pregnant, and they just ignored it. I can't remember which one it was, but. It was like week after week, she would just show up and like like big, huge belly. And like nobody said anything about it. Nobody said, you're gaining any weight. Like, and I thought, wow, that, that's one way to do it. Like, let's just pretend like this isn't happening. Now, I said all that just to say this very simple thing that's on this meme, and here it is. Here's, here's my entire teaching today in this one thing. Everything will work out in the end. You don't need to know how. You just have to trust that it will. And sometimes that's all it is. You may have to remind yourself of that tomorrow night when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're worried about a situation. You think, no, this thing's going to work out and there's nothing I can do to make it happen. If, if If I could, I would help the process, but I can't you know something is being birthed and i'm having to let i'm having to let the pregnancy go full term i can't make myself be more pregnant i'm going to have to just let whatever is inside me continue to grow until it's good and ready to come out and be manifested and you might have to remind yourself of that over and over and over again you don't have to know exactly how Sometimes it's better not to know how it happened. You ever had something work out? You think, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know what went down uh, for the thing to work out like it did. But um, I remember going with somebody to court years ago who, he was way behind in child support payments. And um, so I there in Rockdale County I went with him he said could you just please go with me to court and it he wasn't just being delinquent he he, his he worked construction he hadn't been paid and it was just one of those things that was beyond his control and that day we were like there was probably 40 guys in front of us all of who were behind on their payments and this judge was not amused with any of them it was like (laughs) 20 days. You know, it's like there there was, there was, were so many guys lined up that were about to go to jail. And he and I looked at each other like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, this isn't going any and, and the judge didn't ask anybody else this, but when this gentleman, and many of you would know him if I said his name, uh, when they called him up, the judge said, do you have anybody here to speak in your behalf? And he said, yes, my pastor. He said, okay. So... They called me up on the stand, swore me in. They said, are you aware that he's behind on his child support payments? And uh, I said, yes, I am. That's why I'm here. He said, do you not, as a man of God, do you not believe a man should pay child support? I said, yes. And he, to my knowledge, has always paid up until this situation. And he knows that he's got to get caught up. And I've known him enough time. I believe that he will. The judge said, all right, you're good to go hits the gavel and I said am I done and so I get up walking this guy and his current wife were there and they said is it over I said I think so let's just walk out like like because we don't even know because I and everybody else were going to jail and those guys were cussing us out They're, you know I had men say hey can you come speak for me like I don't I don't know you it's I'm we literally were like can we walk can we leave? We didn't. And we were the three of us were like walking out, like just. I think, I think we're okay, and uh, <laughs> and we got out, and um, uh, we didn't we didn't stop and ask. Now, how exactly? What exactly are we supposed to do? We we're just like just. He said, "Get out of here. Just, <laughs> go." We got. Out, I said, "Get caught up on that child support. Get in your car. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go." Because <laughs> sometimes you don't need to know all the details. Well, Your Honor, why exactly are we, what about these? No, just, if He said go, you're like, I, I'm out. And sometimes you don't need to ask, you don't need to know, you don't need to argue, because the God in you is doing more than you can ask or think. Amen? Let's all stand. Do you understand? I'm not telling you just to put it in neutral. You got you to gotta do stuff. But you can only do what you can do. And then after that, the wind has to blow where it wills. You, know, you hear me? Uh, Spirit of God, we, uh, we embrace the wind. We embrace the mystery. We embrace uncertainty. We embrace not knowing how a situation is going to work out, but also believing that the Lord will perfect that which concerns us. Also believing that if it's good, it will happen to us. That our steps are ordered. We don't know how. And what I pray for everyone who has heard this message or who will hear it in the next few hours that we will all embrace the uncertainty and be okay with it. It's okay not knowing how everything's going to work out but believing that it will. We thank you for it. Just raise your hands up and just just bless that idea. What, What does it mean to just embrace the uncertainty and just enjoy the journey and trust the process and all those things that have become cliches they're still true let whatever needs to happen happen let go and let god amen uh if you just remain standing let's play the outro please contributing to metron is quick and easy you can give any time using any smartphone Text the amount you would like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you've successfully completed your donation. You may also visit bishinthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, just make it a JESM. If you have cash, just pay it forward and bless somebody. I hope you got something out of this and um, hope to see you next week. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. There's still coffee. So if you want to, if you want to, yeah. So um, before they throw it out, enjoy the coffee and y'all enjoy each other for a little bit.